Are you a manager who is eager to change the trajectory of your career? I have spent the last 23 years as a Fortune 50 leader learning from other industry leaders how to break free from limiting beliefs and habits. On the Might and Motion podcast, we focus on the four M's, motivation, momentum, mindfulness, and might. We bring you leaders from Fortune companies, doctors, and entrepreneurs. Their stories of living their own might in motion will inspire you to create your own action plan and achieve your goals. Welcome to Might in Motion. Tonight, I bring to you Brie Lafferty. She is a certified death doula and a hypnotist. She was a career woman who made it to the top of the corporate ladder in her field. What's so exciting is that she took the time to figure out her why and made a pivot to leave the corporate world and start feeding her soul by sharing her stories so she can provide comfort and help to others. She's been called to share those stories, but has also been called to pursue things like being a certified death doula and a hypnotist. Much like a birth doula, she helps family and individuals transition that transition into this world. She helps those same families transition out of it. Welcome to Might and Motion, Brie. I am so excited to have you here. And I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Yay! So I think, and I, I mentioned this in the green room prior to, to going live here. What is a death doula? Can you educate? So There might be people on this call that never even heard of a birth doula, right? So can you educate us on what that is? So a birth doula is a midwife. And as they help transition lives into the world, I help with the transition out, not just for an individual, but also for their families. So when you're preparing to have a child or your family member is, you know, everyone kind of comes together and a doula or a midwife helps with the planning and the execution and the afterwards. So I do all of that on the other side of life. So two things that happen in our lives that happen in everyone's life is you're born and you die. Yeah. Um, but I'm really passionate about making it not so scary and not so messy. Um, a lot of people, especially in Western society, are terrified of talking about death or thinking about it. So I bring a lighthearted environment and safe space to talk about it. But in simple terms, it's a holistic, non-medical approach to helping a dying. Gotcha. So you know, I mean, I've had family members that have had to have um, hospice called in, you know, they had cancer, long-term illnesses, and really, you know, those, the hospice individuals help transition, right? Like help create an environment that was comfortable, but also help those that were in the room, right? Yes. So like my, my mother was in the room and one of my grandmothers passed away. Um, and you know, she was able to help you bathe the body and do things like that, which is from a Western society, like you mentioned, not something that normal we normal people would do. <laughs> normal without quotation marks. Is that something like you're you kind of help people through on that actual tangible piece, or is it financial and planning and making sure they've got a plan for a funeral, or is it a combination of the two? It's absolutely a combination. So I bridge that gap. Um, some hospice providers are super great about taking care of the family and the patient, letting you know what to expect. Uh, however, some are not. And I first volunteered in hospice uh, in 2018. And, you know, I was very passionate about it, but I felt like I could do more, especially for the families. Um, so it wasn't until I left corporate America that I heard this thing about a death doula and I looked into it. 
Um, a lot of my patients actually, or patients, my clients, um, they are my age, you know, in their early thirties, mid thirties, and they just want to have a voice in case something happens. So accidents happen all, all the time, car accidents, uh, tragic illnesses, cancer diagnoses. And so I help them prepare advanced directives, living wills, medical power of attorneys, most or DNRs and stuff like that. So those are a majority of my younger clients. Mm -hmm. um, there is a couple of clients who already want to plan their vigil. Um, they had, you know, most of these people who are really excited about death doulas have had a birth doula. They're like, why don't I get the same treatment I gave my child? I want to pass at home. And so we come up with a living vigil plan or a in-home funeral, depending on what you would prefer. Uh, so we book those years and years in advance. And, you know, we come up with what a good death in your mind looks like. What would comfort you? What do you want? How many people do you want? What spiritual leader do you want, if any? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I will be there for the active, actively dying. So that includes a lot of, um, you know, hospice stuff where a hospice can take care of the medical side. You know, I can go a step further and I can cook home or meals for people at home, you know, their family, you know, sense that just bring them back to, you know, their childhood, you know, favorite dishes. Um, and then of course that loving touch, you know, we all crave mm -hmm. touch. So, you know, soft massages. And then I actually got certified in hypnosis and guided imagery to help people who are in that active dying phase, you know, um, erase the fear, um, not be, so scared, help yeah. with the grief, you know, of what they perceive they've lost or regrets and just bring a more comforting environment to them as well as their family for when they have passed, it, you know, moves on to them as well. Man, I think that's amazing because, you know, when somebody passes away, right, that there's so much turmoil that happens within a family. And in some cases, just like, well, what, I don't even know what their intent is. I don't know. Do they, do they want to have something at the house? Do they want to have a party? Do they just want to be cremated and like scattered to the wind? And the people don't know. Right. And then there's that feeling of, of not only have I lost this person, but I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm giving them the honor that they want. Right. Cause it's, it's not necessarily, some of it's about the people that are left behind and providing comfort, but man, that just kind of eases, I think, a lot of people's minds to know that they have a plan. Yes. You don't know what's happening next, right? You don't know what it, what is it behind door number two. We don't know, <laughs> right? So it's kind of cool that you're creating this environment of, of safety and guidance. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm very passionate about cleaning up the mess before it happens. And that is by pre-planning, pre-documenting, and that way, you know, it executes, you know, much more smoothly and family has that space to grieve properly. You know, yeah. when things are a mess and you don't know their wishes and you don't know, you know, what's what or where things are or how to do everything, you are so bombarded with all that, that you cannot grieve properly. Right. Right. That's, that's my goal. So, you know, I mentioned in the, in your intro that you actually came from corporate America, you're reached kind of the top heights, um, marketing and with architectural engineering, construction firms, you know, uh, it's a very high pace, high stress job. I can only imagine, um, you know, how, what did you learn 
in your corporate America role that has now helped you in your entrepreneurship and then maybe vice versa. What are things you wish you had known when you're in corporate America that could have helped you in your career path? Yeah. So that is definitely um, probably a few of those are double edged swords. Mm -hmm. Um, So the two big things that really helped me on my entrepreneurship is um, one is learning how to communicate and how to communicate with everybody. That is your coworkers, that is your clients, that is your target market. Just knowing how to professionally communicate on phone, email, text, even, you know, copywriting, what you say on social media and on, you know, your website is just all extremely important. Every single part is, you know, representational. So that was a big one. Another one was just having to do it. You know, you don't get a choice. You know, you get two weeks off a year if you're, you know, starting out usually, typically that's the, the normal, at least what I started with. And uh, you know, you have so many sick days, right. You know, and those are sometimes combined. I know the laws have changed, you know, every few years, but you know, if you're not feeling good or you're not motivated, you got to suck it up. You just mm-hmm. got to do it. Um, so even going to networking events that I'm not paid for now, that will help my business in the long run, waking up early to do that. I would have never done had I not had to do that in corporate America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think those are great lessons learned no matter what industry you're in, mm-hmm. right? If you can't have a conversation in the mode that that receiving person best receives said information, like you mentioned, phone, text, et cetera, right? And now there's so many different ways to connect with folks. You know, you're missing out on that opportunity, right? You're missing on that opportunity to create connection, growth in uh, your relationships, but also what might propel you next step in your career because networking is not only for in the role you're in now where you're out, you're going to conferences, you're networking with folks because you want to continue to increase your business. Networking is important when you're in corporate America as well. Even if you're still in corporate America, you better be networking. You better know other teams. You better know other people, people who are lateral, higher up, even lower level, because you're going to be able to learn from all of them. And the connections you make. I mean, you never know what connection is important until you need it. So I was very adamant about networking, even when I wasn't paid for it in corporate America. And that was with all, and you want different types of network groups. I mean, I had specific ones all over the board for age, for entrepreneurs, for people in construction, people in architecture, people in real estate, you know, just different, huge, different branches. So my networking group got humongous. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, how did you figure out your big why? Because you made a pretty big pivot on what your what your training was, your background, what was motivating you, you know, for so long. You made this big shift. How did you figure out that your first phase, career phase, was not your ultimate big why? So that is a huge question. I'm glad you asked. I that's actually part of my whole motivation spiel is, you know, reevaluating, reassessing you, you know, whether it's every few weeks, every few years with a big change. So my why was always because I had to, um, I've had a chronic rare illness 
that was undiagnosed for a long time. And then once it was diagnosed, there was no treatment available to me. And I refused to, you know, just be pity me. And then um, also I tried to apply for disability and I was denied at a young age. So I'm like, well, I got to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. So that was my big why initially was, um, you know, I wanted to hide my illness. So, you know, my companies didn't know until they needed to basically. And, you know, I just pushed and pushed. So I graduated high school early, um, you know, did all the normal, normal person things, bought a house and, you know, went to college and got a degree, a couple degrees. And I just pushed, I worked and I hard, you know, worked hard because I'm like, I want to support myself. And, you know, it just, that was my why was, you know, I, I was kind of passionate about it. You know, I like the marketing and I liked helping the companies. Um, it was fun. I loved event planning and, you know, all the little things and all the stuff I would learn, but you know, it really wasn't feeding my soul. So I finally got brain surgery early last year and, um, it has not cured, but it significantly improved my condition. So, um, I was about to accept my dream job. That was so much better than I even thought was possible. Um, I had no idea an opportunity like this would come about people in the AEC industry, architecture, engineering, construction, don't really respect marketing. They don't usually Mm -hmm. tend to see how important it is. Well, a company did, and they asked me to lead a new branch startup for a 130 year old construction company. I, you know, was going to help design everything from bottom up and it was really exciting. I had never felt more wanted and needed in my role ever. And I was only a few months out from brain surgery and I had a deep conversation with my mom. Like, am I going to go and, you know, drive five hours, you know, commuting on top of 10 hour days, you know, on a very stressful startup that everything's kind of relying on me and two others. I mean, it was a startup of an old company kind of, Um, and, you know, kind of just reevaluated and said, you know, I would really hate to go full steam ahead and burn out and blow it. Yeah. How devastated would I be? And so um, I declined it. And then I spent a week crying about declining it and really digging really deep and saying, why did I decline it? What is bigger? What am I meant for? Yeah. So, um, you know, it was a lot of meditation. I did a lot of self-hypnosis, a lot of deep, deep digging. And I was told it's time to stop feeding my ego and start feeding my soul. And that is my why. Yeah. I love that feeding your soul Mm -hmm. because there... I, like, I've been in corporate America forever, over over two decades, right? And I love the fact that I can help my teams. I can, mm-hmm. like, that's my soul feeding, right? It's mm-hmm. not the, am I getting a certain title or um, am I moving to a different company and the, the pay, et cetera? My big thing is, like, how do I develop others? Like, that's mm-hmm. where I get all, like, you know, excited about, right? And how, do I, how am I helping others? And what's really cool is you found this this opportunity to help others in a space that most people are just even afraid to think about. Yeah. And you're creating it in a way that it makes it like, oh, okay, it's okay to talk about this. 
it's mm-hmm. okay to have a plan. Um, and it's not, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to like, you know, the lawyer or my doctor and I got to fill out, you know, like all this stuff has to happen. You still got to have advanced directives and all that, but like you're putting it in a, in a way, in a context that people can understand and then receive. Yes. And then you've got that tangible result of, of helping people through the process. And that, that result is huge, right? Like that, that's gotta be a great, like when you talk about feeding your soul, (laughs) you're, you're literally doing that. Like it's, that's huge. And it's funny in corporate America, you know, I loved helping, you know, I loved helping others. Um, I've actually, one of the biggest complaints of my bosses, what I was, I helped other people too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it was always also required of me, uh, especially working in small companies, you need to wear all the hats, but then it's like, okay, you're wearing too many hats. Um, so, you know, I always, I always loved helping people, but I felt like I was getting in trouble for it. Um, you know, and I, you know, I love proposal writing and I found that rewarding, but more rewarding for my ego than, you know, my soul. And like you said, I, you know, it is feeding my soul. Um, you know, being able, especially my older clients, being able to walk them through what they really want. And sometimes they don't have family or friends they can talk to about what they really want. Um, you know, whether it's leading up to their last days or what they want with what's left as they transition out of here. So, you know, it is so rewarding and just getting people to think, you know, especially deaths have been all over the board in the last few years, age wise and health wise. And, you know, it's just, I, it's devastating to see what happens to the families that don't have a plan. Right. You know, you mentioned in the conversation, you know, Hey, you had to, you had to get up to get to meetings. So Mm -hmm. that gave you, like you learned how to stay on track. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff, right? You you get emotionally connected. I'm assuming with these, these individuals. Right. So I'm sure that there is, it's a pretty heavy, there's heaviness sometimes to it. Right. How do you stay motivated on days that are just a struggle, especially going through brain surgery and having a chronic illness? I'm sure those days happen because they happen to everybody. How do you stay motivated? So it it really stems from a conscious decision I made when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's two paths I could have, you know, taken. One is, woe is me. This is awful. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then the other one is, this is hard. Let's do it. Let's embrace it and move forward. So I pull from a lot of that decision-making early on and it's really, I didn't realize how significant that would be these days, but yeah, you know, days are hard and, you know, especially I do get connected to some amazing people and, you know, I give myself the space to grieve and cry in, it doesn't even have to be about, you know, a client. It could be, wow, today is really hard on me you know, give myself, I have wonderful self-care routines, I think. Um, so I love water. So if I could get myself to the lake or hike by a stream, um, that is like my top, top ones. Um, I'd go to the beach if I was closer, but I'm yep. like, you know. 
there, I don't think. <laughs> if that doesn't work, you know, I've got Epsom salts in a bath that mm -hmm. I will use and hot tea if it's warranted or cold tea if it's warranted. Um, you know, just doing self-care, giving myself the space to do that. And sometimes a big thing is reassessing, reevaluating. So I set goals and sometimes I don't always reach them. I mean, yeah. I feel like everyone sets goals they don't always reach. So um, I made get a conscious decision to not blame anyone. Is it outside of my circumstances? If it is, then let it go, figure out how to work around it. If it is within my control, then figure out how to change it and control it. And also I've reevaluated and reassessed my goals tons of times, you know, when my illness progressed, when I needed brain surgery, when I don't feel good, you know, I wanted to get 10 things done today. I got two, um, trying really hard not to be hard on myself and just readjusting and reevaluating it. Okay. If we're still not doing well tomorrow, maybe let's, you know, go for five of those things. Right. Um, right. And then having a great day. Oh, maybe we can go for 15. So um, how I keep my motivation, it's constantly fluctuating. So um, readjusting and reevaluating as much as necessary, whether that's big changes like brain surgery, marriage, kids, death, changes in location, changes in job, or little things like it's just a, you know, kind of a harder day. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read The Green Witch? Uh-uh. Okay. It, um, it's a book, but it talks about like, you know, like just nature and things like that. But it talks about the four elements, right? And, and when you say, hey, I'm drawn to water and water is like my, re my reset. And it's how mm -hmm. you, you reinvigorate. Right? For me, I think it's fire. I always have like, I've always got to have like a candle. So like if I'm having a super stressful day, this baby gets lit, you know, it's just that that's me. Um, some people talk about stones or like water, something that just looks like water. So I've got my, my glass, right. That, that you just feel your mood and you get drawn to like some of those things on an elemental basis mm -hmm. that it's really cool that you are naturally in tune to that. Right. And, and I think anybody who's listening to this should really take a moment, meditate on it. Like think about what are you drawn to when you're stressed? Mm -hmm. that so, is sort of elemental because that will help you. Yeah. An interesting thing that I found recently, cause I've been obsessed with water for my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, so my mom is very much into feng shui and elements. And so it's based on your, I think Zodiac sign, Chinese year, year you're born, hour you're born, day you're born, location you're born, like all these things that decide the element you are. Yeah. That's what I am. Fire. What oh. puts out fire? Water. Yeah. So because I'm naturally, you know, burning all the time and, you know, just fiery and go, go, go and, you know, kind of destructive, I need that water to yeah. put me down and kind of balance me out. That's really cool. Yeah. So now you got me wondering. She's going to figure out what mine is. I mean, yes. I'm a Aquarius. So there you go. I'm a water sign, but you know, <laughs> well, it's more than just your sign, it's more than that. <laughs> it's like this whole crazy list. I wish I can remember exactly what the thing was. Um, that is, that is super cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, and it's funny because she is, I think, metal. And so she loves everything wood. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, see, I, I don't know. I just think there's so much 
there's just so much out there that people don't even tell us, right? But that you you just have to open your mind and try things and learn, and it it can help you elevate. So when I think about it, it's like, well, how is that elevating me in my career? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this paperweight is not elevating me in my career. But I will tell you that if I'm having like a really stressful meeting or I want to think, or I want to be inspired, I naturally grab this. And it's kind of become like that, that touchstone of like, okay, well, let's, let's think about what this problem is and how can we, you know, solve it. And you just, you never know what those things are unless you experiment. Right. So it is actually elevating your career because it helps you with that space. It helps you with your mental stuff. So yeah, yeah, I, I love it. I love digging deep. Um, It can be really hard, but gosh, it's how you, you know, once you find your why, you know, like you said, you're fulfilled with corporate America by helping others. Um, some people are fulfilled by the money. So for the longest time, you know, I was partially fulfilled because I'd volunteer on my off hours. You know, I volunteered for hospice for, you know, a couple of years, but I could only give them one day on the weekend. Um, and then, you know, I'd volunteer at the food bank, but, you know, still that was just so little. And there was so much more I wanted to give because I just wasn't fulfilled enough. Yeah. Um, you know, so does it fulfill your soul? Does it fulfill a need? And no matter how it fulfills you, there's no wrong answer. It's right. just how do you supplement it, you know, in other places. So right now my work fulfills my soul, but right now I'm just in a launching stage of it. So it doesn't really fit, you know, fulfill me financially. So right. I'm supplementing that with other things. Right. That makes complete sense. Um, so I know we're getting a little bit close on time. I'm going to ask you the question I like to ask almost everybody. If you could go back in time and you could talk to Bree from five years ago, what advice would you have given her? And would she have listened? I don't know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> something that is common with past Bree and present Bree is very stubborn and hardhead. <laughs> I'm not sure she would have listened. Um, where was I five years ago? Um, I think I actually was, uh, getting rehabilitated from a traumatic brain injury. So, um, gosh, I think I'd give her the same advice I'd give me now. Just keep going, you know? Um, you know, there's of course been many times I've wanted to give up, but every time that wasn't an option, I found that strength to just push and work as hard as I could. So five years ago, I, you know, was hard. I could hardly walk and I could hardly talk and worked so hard at physical therapy and showed up six months later in stilettos and shocked the therapist. Um, You know, and I do that with everything in my life, whether it is, you know, something I enjoy, I go hard, you know, even when I take it easy, I go hard. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I've just had a lot of really strong resolve in my life and the reevaluating my why and what motivates me is, you know, just a constant conversation I have with myself. I love that. I love that. And it's, you know, that stubbornness probably helped you with that rehabilitation because it's not just like, Hey, go do it because it's hard. Right, like, well, of course I'm going to show up in stilettos. Like, you're not going to tell me otherwise. Right? <laughs> you tell me, I well, and it's not even you tell me I can't do it. Um, I've never been a competitive person against other people, but mm-hmm. I am so competitive against myself. Yeah. 
which propels you. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So I, this has been a really exciting conversation. I love, love the points on set big goals, not only just like in life, but even maybe for a day. Right. And if you don't hit all of them, Hey, you still hit some of them and that's progress. It's okay to reassess those goals. Um, your communication style. So pointing out like, Hey, everybody receives information differently. And so how do you go and make those pivots depending on who you're talking to? Uh, and then having that self-care plan, which includes what you help provide people, which is that end of life care plan and that transition care plan. So if people are interested in reaching out to you, learning more, maybe they too want to have a death doula so that they can go ahead and be prepared for that transition. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I am pretty responsive to everything. So if you go to my website and contact me via the website, my email, which is just brownagllc at gmail.com, go to my Instagram. You know, I don't have any hard filters on there, so you can you know, hit me up just fine. Um, yeah. Or Facebook. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm the young generation I feel. So I'm very on everything. Well, I love it. I hope that, um, that those that you're listening that are inspired by what we talked about today and are really interested in like, Hey, how can I plan for that transition? Please reach out to Brie. Uh, I think you can tell from her personality and how she approaches things that, uh, should be a joy to work with. And, you know, would be able to help provide you with that peace of mind as you're you know, thinking about what might be months from now or decades from now, but that you can have a plan. Bree, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. And for those of you that are tuning in, please don't forget, subscribe, like, comment, share, review on any of the platforms. We're obviously on a whole bunch of different podcast platforms and YouTube. We love hearing from you. So please reach out to either one of us. Thank you so much and have a fantastic day. Thank you for tuning into Might in Motion. If you learned something about motivation, momentum, mindfulness, or might, please like, comment, and share. Thank you.